0: Courage and his other qualities, that our family ought to be proud of their descent from him. Alas, cousin, I fear my resemblance to my portrait is not great. You are mistaken, cousin, said the princess, for at the end of the concert I recognized you immediately, in spite of the difference of costume. Then, wishing to change the conversation, she added, How charmingly Monsieur Litz plays, does he not? Yes, how attentively you listen to him. "'because there is to me a double charm in music without words. "'Not only you hear the execution, "'but you can adapt your thoughts to the melody. "'Do you understand me?' "'Perfectly. "'Your own thoughts become words to the air.' "'Yes, you quite comprehend me,' said she with a gesture of satisfaction. "'I feared I could not express what I felt just now.' "'I thank God, cousin,' said I, smiling. "'You can have no words to set to, so sad an air.' I know not whether my question was indiscreet or whether she had not heard me, but suddenly she exclaimed, pointing out to me the Grand Duke, who crossed the room with the Archduchess on his arm, "'Cousin, look at my father! How handsome he is! How noble! How good! Every one looks at him as if they loved him more than they feared him.' "'Ah!' cried I, "'it is not only here he is beloved. If the blessing of his people be transmitted to their posterity—' the name of rodolph of gerolstein will be immortal to speak thus is to be indeed worthy of his attachment i do but give utterance to the feelings of all present see how they all hasten to pay their respects to madame d'harville no one in the world is more worthy of my father's affections than madame d'harville you are more capable than any one of appreciating her as you have been in france scarcely had i pronounced these words than the princess cast down her eyes and her features assumed an air of melancholy and when i led her back to her seat the expression of them was still the same i suppose that my allusion to her stay in france recalled the death of her mother in the course of the evening a circumstance occurred which you may think too trivial to mention perhaps but which evinces the extraordinary influence this young girl universally inspires her bandeau of pearls having become disarranged the archduchess sophia who was leaning on her arm kindly readjusted the ornament upon her brow knowing as we do the hauteur of the archduchess such condescension is almost inconceivable the next morning i was invited together with a few other persons to be present at the marriage of the grand duke with madame la marquise d'harville i had never seen the princess so radiant and happy some days after the duke's marriage i had a long interview with him he questioned me about my past life my future career he gave me the most admirable advice the kindest encouragement so much so that the idea crossed my mind that he had perceived my love and wished to bring me to confess it but this idea was soon dispelled the prince concluded by telling me that the great wars were over that i ought to avail myself of my name my connections the education i had received and my father's friendship with the prince de m blank, prime minister of the emperor in order to follow a diplomatic instead of a military career in a word he offered me his sovereign protection to facilitate my entry in the career he proposed to me i thanked him for his offers with gratitude and added that i felt the weight of his advice and would follow it i at first visited the palace very seldom But, thanks to the Duke's reiterated invitations, I was soon there almost every day. We lived in the peaceful retirement resembling that of some English mansions. When the weather permitted, we rode out with the Duke, the Duchess, and the grand personages of the court. When we were forced to remain at home, we sang, and I accompanied the Grand Duchess and my cousin, who had the sweetest and most expressive voice I ever heard. At other times we inspected the magnificent picture-galleries and museums, and the library of the prince who is one of the most accomplished men in europe i often dined at the palace and on the opera nights i accompanied the duke's family to the theatre could this intimacy have lasted for ever i should have been very happy perhaps but i reflected that i should be summoned to vienna by my duties i reflected also that the duke would soon think of finding a suitable alliance for his daughter my cousin remarked this change in me The evening before I quitted Gerolstein, she told me she had for several days remarked my abstracted manner. I endeavoured to evade this question, saying that my approaching departure was the cause. "'I can scarcely believe it,' replied she. "'My father treats you like a son. Every one loves you. It would be ingratitude if you were unhappy.' "'Alas!' said I, unable to restrain my emotion. "'It is grief I am a prey to.' "'Why, what has happened?' just now cousin you have told me your father treated me like a son and that every one loved me and yet ere long i must quit gerolstein it is this that grieves me and are the recollections of those you have left as nothing doubtless but time brings so many changes there are affections at least that are unchangeable such as that of my father for you such as that i feel for you you are once brother and sister you never forget each other added she looking up her large blue eyes full of tears i was on the point of betraying myself however i controlled my feelings in time do you think then cousin said i that when i return in a few years this affection will continue why should it not because you will probably be married you will have other duties to perform and you will forget your poor brother This was all that passed i know not if she was offended at these words or whether she was like myself grieved at the changes the future must bring but instead of answering me she was silent for a moment then rising hastily from her seat her face pale and altered she left the room after having looked for a few seconds at the embroidery of the young countess dopenheim one of her maids of honour the same evening i received a second letter from my father urging me to return The next morning I took leave of the Grand Duke. He told me my cousin was unwell, but that he would make my adieu. He then embraced me tenderly, renewed his promises of assistance, and added that, whenever I had leave of absence, nothing would give him greater pleasure than to see me at Gerolstein. Happily, on my arrival, I found my father better. Still confined to his bed and very weak, it is true, but out of danger. Now that you know all, Maximilian, tell me, what can i do just as i finished this letter my door opened and to my great surprise my father whom i believed to be in bed entered he saw the letter on the table to whom are you writing so long a letter said he smiling to maximilian father oh said he with an expression of affectionate reproach he has all your confidence he is very happy he pronounced these last words in so sorrowful a tone that i held out the letter to him almost without reflection saying read it father my friend he has read all after having remained musing some time he said to me henry i shall write and inform the grand duke of all that passed during your stay at gerolstein father i entreat you not is what you have written to maximilian scrupulously true Yes do you love your cousin i adore her but my father interrupted me then in that case i shall write to the grand duke and demand her hand for you but father such a demand will be madness on my part it is true but still in making this demand i shall acquaint the prince with my reasons for making it he has received you with the greatest kindness and it would be unworthy of me to deceive him he will be touched at the frankness of my demand and though he refuse it, as he certainly will, he will yet know that, should you ever again visit Gerolstein, you cannot be on the same familiar terms with the princess. You know that, although so tenderly attached to me, my father is inflexible in whatever concerns his duty. Judge, then, of my fears, of my anxiety. I hastily terminate this long letter, but I will soon write again. Sympathise with me, For I fear I shall go mad if the fever that preys on me does not soon abate. Adieu, adieu. Ever yours, Henry, D. H. O. We will now conduct the reader to the palace of Gerolstein, inhabited by Fleur de Marie since her return from France. End of Epilogue. Chapter One. Read by Celine Major.